people cry out, Lord, Lord, when are you going to put an end to all this? Where are you? What are you doing in a world gone crazy? What is all this chaos? Are you even there? Are you in charge? That question is answered today in Revelation chapter 6 as we start the just the amazing part of the book of the Revelation from chapter 6 to chapter 19 when our Lord Jesus finally says, enough. This is Pastor Greg. This is Life 66. Glad you joined us today. We are studying the book of the Revelation. And so far we've looked at the, the, um, the image of Christ in chapter 1 the amazing seven letters to seven churches to encourage and to rebuke them. We've seen the throne room in chapter 4 and chapter 5, and last time we were introduced to the lion and the lamb, the ruler, the owner of this world. And now today we start what many uh, really are interested in, not that the first part isn't very, very powerful and interesting, but most people when they think of the Revelation They think of all this chaos, all this destruction and wrath and judgment and all these supernatural uh, events that occur. Well, those happen in chapter 6. Remember, in chapter 5, the Lamb was given a scroll, and that scroll re-identified as the title deed of the world, of all creation, and it's sealed with seven seals. To open it, you have to break those seals one at a time. In chapter 6, we get the breaking of those seals. To give you some background, there's some scriptures that are necessary for you to to dig into, and you'll have to do this on your own, but I highly recommend you do. Matthew 24 is one of those, and it reads in verse 21 and 22, for then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. That's going to happen in our future. Zephaniah 1, 14 to 16 reads, The great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. Listen, the cry of the day of the cry on the day of the Lord will be bitter, the shouting of the warrior there. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the corner towers. That speaks of the coming of the Lord and his wrath upon a world turned against him. The singing of chapter 5 and the praise and worship uh, is over. Not that it's over in heaven, it will continue. But on earth, judgment has come from chapter 6 to 19. The lamb has taken the title deed and now must take possession of his kingdom. And as each seal is opened, it reveals the contents of his ownership and the terms of which he will take over. As each seal is opened, judgment is poured out on those who resist his ownership. This begins the seven-year period known as the Day of the Lord, the Great Tribulation, the 70th week of Daniel. Other passages that you may read are Mark 24, or excuse me, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, Daniel 9, 24 to 27, and 12, 1 and 2, um, Ezekiel 38 and 39. Those are all passages that you should be very familiar with in studying the book of the Revelation. People cry out, if there is a God, why doesn't he show himself? Blessed are those, Jesus said, who have seen and still believe. He showed himself in love and has been showing himself in love by his spirit. 
But there's going to be a day, I think it's very soon, when he now is going to show himself in wrath. Give us a sign, people cry out. It won't matter. He gave them a sign. He came in flesh, performed miracles, preached love, and died on a cross, and yet rose again. If that sign didn't convince people, no sign will. And now finally, it's going to be judgment. There's three sets of judgment in this portion from chapter 6 to 19. Three sets of seven. There are seven seals. There, in chapter 6, there's the first six seals, then a pause, and then the seventh comes later. There's seven trumpets that bring in judgments again, one through six, and then a pause, and then the seventh. And then seven bowls poured out of wrath, six again with a pause, and then the seventh. It's interesting how the book is laid out that way. Spoke of Daniel's 70 weeks from Daniel 9, 24 to 27. These are weeks of years, 70 weeks of years. So instead of seven days in a week, it's seven years in a week. 69 weeks from the time of Daniel ended with the destruction and dispersion of Jerusalem in AD 70. Then there's been this 2,000-year gap between then and the 70th year. Well, the Revelation talks then about that seven uh, 70th week of seven years, the last seven years, the Great Tribulation. Remember, we've got to remember, this is a blessing. You say, how, how can this be a blessing? This is God pouring out his wrath. This is the destruction of the world. Remember, judgment had to come. But then is the new Jerusalem. It's heaven. And we who are believers will enjoy that. And it's our job right now not to speak with anger and vengeance toward those who are ungodly, thinking, well, they're going to get theirs soon. No, God has left us, his church here, to share with them and to, 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 to preach Jesus to them. Remember, Jesus loves those who hate him in the same way he loves those who believe in him. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrated his love toward us in this, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Every person who yells, yelled crucify him, Jesus loved. And every person who resists him today, Jesus wants to see come into his kingdom. So it's our job as the church today to preach the gospel until he comes and to save as many people as possible. I hope we'll take that to heart because it's going to be a horrible day, but a, a day of, of finality. And then we enter for all of eternity. I can't even fathom that. All of eternity, the kingdom of God. Let me read to you the chapter six of the Revelation, then we'll get into studying it. Verse one, I watched as the lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, come. I looked and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow and he was given a crown and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Then when the lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. When the lamb opened the third seal, I heard the living, third living creature say, Come! I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, Two pounds of wheat for a day's wages, and six pounds of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine.' 
When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come! I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of the fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to earth as figs dropped from the fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? What a powerful, powerful passage. What an amazing passage. Let's look and see in more depth what it says. The first seal, the rider on the white horse. These four horses are often called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Of course, the four horsemen of the last days, uh, the four horsemen of judgment. Many books have been written and many art pieces have been done about them. But who are they? The first seal, the rider on the white horse. The living creature says, come. And what that means is not come like come over here. It means proceed. The Greek word, erku, meaning proceed. In other words, carry on, bring in what's going to happen. And it's spoken in a loud voice. Remember how loud heaven is. And it's one of those four living creatures that's surrounding the throne that we studied in, in chapter 4. Horses often are used in judgments. 2 Kings 6, Jeremiah 46, Joel 2, Nahum 3, Zechariah 1 and 6, and, and so on. Uh, riders on horses are often seen as uh, judgmental characters. This rider is on a white horse and he's a conqueror. Recognize that there are no specific plagues or trouble attached to him, but his intent is to conquer. Realize this conqueror is not Jesus. Although Jesus does ride a white horse when he takes over in Revelation 19. Remember, Jesus is the one who opens the scroll. He's not contained in it. The remaining seals deal with judgment and tragedy. The crown on the head of this rider uh, is not the same as the crown of chapter 1911. This crown is, is the crown uh, in Greek, Stephanos. This is the victor's crown, where Jesus wears the diadem, the crown of royalty, the true king. So this rider is a conqueror. He will have victory. He will overtake uh, the people in the world, but he doesn't overtake them for salvation purposes. He overtakes them in violence, and in, in um, disaster. He is given a crown. Jesus is the one who gives the authority. Jesus is the king. My view, not necessarily uh, a view that you can prove, 
Um, but I think this is a picture of the Antichrist. Um, not one who is against Christ, but one who is in place of Christ. Remember, with the devil, there's always deception. Angel of light. Um, did God really say? Uh, the devil always wanting to be like God. And in Matthew 24, we see the counterfeit Christs. This person holds a bow representing the token of covenant. Is it a bow like a bow and arrow? Some think so. Some think it might be a rainbow. Um, I think it may be the, the, the bow and arrow, but it could likely be a rainbow to counterfeit the covenant that God made with Noah about not judging the earth by uh, flood again back in Genesis chapter 6. If he is the Antichrist, recognize that he's going to come in what appears to be peace. Daniel 9 says he will come and make a treaty with Israel, with the surrounding nations, but halfway through at three and a half years, he's going to break that treaty and all hell will break loose on Israel. It's going to be a, a very, very hard time for those living in Israel in those last three and a half years. But ultimately, it is done to bring Israel to repentance. He doesn't conquer necessarily from Daniel 8 by war, but he conquers by peace and deception. Suck you in and then stab you in the back. That's how the devil always works. He's cunning, he's clever, and he deceives. We always have to be careful to know our truth so that we won't fall into deception. He's energized by the power of Satan. If this is the Antichrist, we can read more about his activity in Revelation 12 and 13. And we'll get there in a few sessions. The second rider is a rider on a red horse, verse 3 and 4. The, the living creature says, proceed as the second seal is opened. And this rider is bent on war, terror, and death. He brings power to cause war and fighting. Matthew 24 speaks about wars and, the, and, the, and uh, being all over the world. Following in the path of Cain, people will kill their brothers. They'll turn against family members, sons against parents, daughters against uh, siblings, that families will t be torn apart by the power of these end times. Men will kill each other while they cry for peace. How similar does that sound today? What I see is it's peace, but at, 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 under whose terms? I even see it today in the world. We want everybody to be safe. We want everybody to live in peace, except for those who don't agree with our particular uh, way of thinking. You have to be dealt with. You have to be removed. It's the same with this writer. He will bring destruction while crying for peace. Treaties and security councils and alliances ultimately won't bring peace. All efforts of world peace will fail and, and continue to fail because we are a people full of sin. Even in times of peace and prosperity, it won't last. Man's greed and selfishness will overcome him and destruction will rule. Violent crime will be on the rise. People uh, killing each other and turning on each other. Christ will bring ultimate peace. False Christs bring violence and death while calling for peace. He carries, he was given rather a great sword, seen again in Revelation 13, 7, the sword of authority over the affairs of the planet. The third seal is opened, 
And when this third seal is opened, a black horse emerges. The living creature says, come, and a black horse comes out. And he represents famine and economic upheaval. That the economy will be in chaos during these years, during this period. Trade and commerce will be thrown into chaos. The power of commerce to generate prosperity or, or calamity will occur. Possibly there's this place in Revelation 17 and 18 called uh, Babylon or New Babylon. Uh, there's some thinking that that was somehow a new city that arose in the Middle East. Uh, my particular opinion, it's not necessarily a popular one. Um, I think this Babylon, this center of commerce, this Revelation 17 and 18 uh, society, I think it's the United States of America. When we read the prophetic things, there is uh, prophecies about the, the north and the east. Nothing about the west. Where's the west in relation to Israel? It's not spoken of. Again, it's an opinion. It's not the word of God. I encourage you to do your own study and, and, and find out where you land. But I can't see any other nation that the, that the other nations would mourn because that nation provided with them luxuries and entertainment and uh, a life to uh, emulate. To me, the U.S. is that place where people um, either hate us because we represent freedom or they want to be in us or like us because of the luxuries and, and the good life, the American way, but it's going to crumble. What will take place exactly? Prices will change. There's to be a, a balance between uh, necessities, and lu- or rather the balance between necessities and luxuries will be completely upset. Food, food prices will rise dramatically. This passage says a day's wage will buy enough wheat for one meal. If you have a family, you're in trouble. But you can eat animal food. Barley, you can buy three times as much. That's the food for beasts. They'll, they'll likely will be controlled rationing, where it says um, a day's wage is a, is a denarius, or about a, in that day, you know, like a penny. Um, severe shortages. Uh, wage earners, the daily workers, will barely survive. The, the separation between the haves and the have-nots will be gigantic. Some won't survive. Quality of food will change, like I mentioned. Uh, barley, the food that is used for animal feed in those days, will be what people will want to eat. But yet, luxury items won't be affected. The homes of the rich and the affluent will not suffer the lack of the luxuries, as the scripture says. But don't hurt the oil and the wine. Don't touch our pleasures. Don't touch our nice things. And only the rich and the, the powerful can have those nice things, while the rest suffer on a little bit of wheat or a little bit of barley. The fourth seal, the rider on the pale horse comes out, verse 7 and 8. This pale horse is, is pale like, like, a, like an ugly, um, kind of a gross pea soup-like green. And death and hell follow him. Death takes the bodies. Hades takes the soul. And when this rider is released, one quarter of the earth's population will die. In today's numbers, that's like 2 billion people. I mean, right now we're thinking about a pandemic that uh, worldwide, 4 million people died from the pandemic. That's a far cry from 2 billion people on earth in this first massive judgment. And we're, there's going to be more to come. 
They're going to die by the sword. We saw the second rider, murder, government action, war. They'll die by hunger, the third rider, starvation. And they'll die under this rider from plague, from disease, accidents, suicide. Um, the beasts that are spoken of here, uh, we think of these big, large, you know, uh, snarly, uh, saliva-dripping uh, fangs-type beasts. Uh, but there's no, not any reason to assume that these beasts are large. It could be the beast of a disease, a microscopic beast. The word for beast uh, is usually zoon, which would refer to animals, like we get from our word zoo. Uh, but this is a different Greek word, and it's used 37 times as a powerful um, uh, enemy uh, of the people. So it could very well be death through plague or pestilence or disease. Why all this why all this destruction? Why all, the, why all this death? Why all this pain and suffering? Listen, God is just giving mankind what they've always wanted. They're giving them a life without God. And this is the natural result of what man wants. Look, read Romans 1. When God turns them over to what they want, chaos happens. We demand lies, we get the Antichrist. We'll, we'll seek to kill and destroy we inherit anarchy and violence. We seek pleasures and greed. We get inflation and upheaval. We seek power and control. We get murder and slavery. This is life of what it will be like without God, when God releases uh, the world from his presence. The fifth seal, the martyrs in verse 9 and 11, 9 through 11. The identity of the martyrs, the martyr is a witness, and these martyrs are under the altar, slain by the, for the word of God and their testimony. These are people who would not turn their back on the gospel. They would not, uh, in the face of threat of their lives, they would not resist, or they would not turn their backs on Jesus, and they stood for the gospel and for the truth. Well, they paid with it, or they paid for it with their lives. This altar they're under is the altar of sacrifice the innocent substitutes for those who deserved the death by their, their vicious violence. They're under the altar where the blood is poured, Exodus 24, Leviticus 17, uh, 18, 25, and so on. These are those who have passed away in Christ, uh, likely during the four seals, but it could be those who have passed away for uh, you know years prior. Um, it depends on your view of the coming of Jesus, whether it's pre-tribulational or mid-tribulational. They cry out, how long, O Lord, until you avenge our blood? It's a very different phrase than we heard Stephen cry out when he was being martyred, when he said, Father, forgive them, but recognize Stephen was crying out, Father, forgive them from the earth. These people are crying out after they've been martyred, and they're crying out, Lord, avenge our blood avenge us. The time is, is, is over for mercy, and now comes judgment. And they cry for that. The instruction is received, or the instruction that they get is they have to wait a little longer because there's going to be more death, more martyrs. As we look into chapter 11, 12, 14, and 20, there'll be more martyrs for Christ. And the word comes to them saying, just wait a little longer, but there's going to be vengeance. There will there is going to be judgment. And remember, Romans speaks of vengeance is mine, saith, says the Lord. Nothing that happens today is beyond his notice. He is going to judge, and he's going to judge righteously. 
And when he tells them to rest, to, to, that it's okay, he's going to avenge and judge, they're given white robes. And this white robe represents righteousness and salvation. Revelation 7, 14, 19, 8. Um, and throughout the Gospels, Jesus refers to those in white robes. And these are those who have been uh, washed in the blood of the Lamb and who are true to the testimony of the Gospel. Finally, the sixth seal is opened, and the wrath of the Lamb is poured out from in verse 12 to 17. With that opening of the seal, there's a global catastrophe. This I, don't, I can't even fathom it. A single convulsive action, a great global earthquake. The first of three, we'll see one here in chapter 6, one in chapter 11, and one in chapter 16. And this is not just an earthquake of shaking the earth. It also includes shaking of, of the heavens. The air and space will also be shaken. This event was talked about 2,500 years ago in Haggai when it says, the prophet says, I will shake the nations. In Isaiah, in Joel, and Amos also speaking, or excuse me, not shake the nations, I will shake the heavens. Isaiah 13, Joel 2, Amos 9, speaking of this same thing, that he's going to shake the heavens. Hebrews says all that can shake will shake, but those who are unshakable will not shake. Those are those who stay true to the gospel. Now this speaks clearly to the inhabitants of the earth. This is not like, oh man, look at that, what a powerful earthquake. No, they're going to know exactly where this is coming from. For they're going to cry out that God... Uh, that they can hide from the God who is pouring out these things. Matthew 24 says this is just the beginning of birth pains. Remember, those beginning birth pains, they hurt, but it's nothing like what will come when the baby is born. Matthew 24 speaks of of similar things with this great global uh, um, eruption, that the sun will turn black, the moon will turn blood red, The stars will fall from the sky. The heavens will be rolled back like a scroll. The mountains and islands will be removed from their place. This is not some nuclear uh, reaction so that people will say, well, a nation did that. Somebody pushed the red button. No, this is God's hand moving and everyone will know that it's God's hand. The people will cry out, hide us from the lamb. They know who's doing it. They recognize who he is, and they're trying to hide in caves. They're trying to hide in the rocks. They say, we, we'd rather die. Let the rocks fall on us. We'd rather die than, fall, than repent. Isn't that powerful? We'd rather die than repent. What a hard heart. It speaks the same way of Romans 1, where God turns them over, and they start seeing right is wrong or wrong is right. They start seeing black is white and white is black. Who are these people? The kings of the earth, the generals, the rich, the mighty, but every slave. They're all finally convinced of their foolishness. The leaders today that mock and scoff and they're so arrogant and they're so just full of their own way and uh, seek to control, seek to um, wield the power while at the same time ignoring their own words and, and, and enjoying their pleasures. There's going to be a day. But we ought not to rejoice in that. We ought to be active today to save as many people as possible from those days. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't care if you're a king or a slave. His wrath will come. 
to all who reject him. It says, fall on us, they say, fall on us rocks, fall on us mountains from the wrath of the lamb. Isn't that a strange statement? This sweet little lamb. Oh no, this is not a sweet little lamb. This is a lamb with fangs. The wrath of the lamb. The lamb is not someone to be messed with. The one who hung on the cross now is showing his power. There was a day when Peter whipped out his sword and cut off the ear and Jesus said, put your sword away. It's not time yet. Well, now it is. Now it's time for him to pour out his wrath and pour out his judgment. I don't teach these things with a light heart. But I also don't want you Christians that are listening today to worry. We're not appointed to wrath. We're not going to suffer the wrath of God. We may suffer the wrath of Satan. Matter of fact, we will suffer the wrath of Satan. That's how come the martyrs are the martyrs. But when it comes to God, we never have to fear. 1 Thessalonians 5 says we are not appointed to wrath. God will always seal us and take care of us. But listen, this is... Revelation 1, 3 said, this is a book to read that will bless you. We ought not to fear these days, but to rejoice in the fact that our salvation is close. Today, I believe our salvation is close. You say, yeah, yeah, yeah. People have been saying that for thousands of years. That's true. But the days today are becoming much more clear. From Israel's nationhood in 1948, to the events of today. If you are wise, you can see the signs of the times. And the word of God says, those who are wise and see the signs will not be caught off guard. My prayer is that you won't be caught off guard, that you'd be prepared, you'd be ready, that you would wake up from your slumber, that you would repent, that you would win as many people to Jesus as possible. For that's why Jesus died. God bless you folks that are listening today. I sure hope and pray that your heart is right with the lamb. Otherwise, the lamb is going to come and he's not going to come as a gentle little thing. He's going to come in wrath. Those who have worshiped him and accepted him will not suffer that. But those who have refused him would rather die than repent. I pray that you are those who will submit yourself to him today. You are so loved. God bless you and serve Jesus every day. This is Pastor Greg for Life 66 signing out. Till next time.